Hello, and welcome to I Am Dad podcast with your fatherhood authority, Kenneth Braswell. 30 minutes of wisdom, information, resources, and nuggets on your fatherhood journey. Or maybe you're just curious and want to hear some real talk about fatherhood, family, and the minds of men. Well, guess what? We got you too. Sit back, grab your pad and pen, and maybe even bring a little something to sip on. Enjoy 30 straight minutes of fatherhood, family, and fun with the fatherhood authority, Kenneth Braswell. Welcome to I Am Dad Podcast. I'm your host, Kenneth Braswell. Thank you for joining us another Sunday morning. Hope all is well in your life and in your spirit and in your health. Um, I appreciate each and every one of you for continuing to support this podcast. It has been an awesome experience, journey, and ride because so many people text me each week about the guests that we've had in terms of the amount of information that they give and the depth of information that they give. We've tried to be extremely diverse in the voices that we bring to I Am Dad podcast so that we can hit all the elements of responsible fatherhood. We know that it is not um, linear, um, that we can't talk just about one thing, that there's so many things that encompass this conversation when we talk about men and fathers. It is not just about our fathering or our parenting. Sometimes it's about self-help. Sometimes it is tactics and um, solutions for some of their problems. Sometimes it is, you know, helping them navigate systems. Sometimes it is just a heartfelt conversation about something that they've gone through in life to which someone else out there is thinking that they're the only ones going through. And so we have these like really deep conversations. And you know what? There have been many times where all of what I just said happens in the same podcast. And I'm sure that's going to happen today with my good friend, David Cozart. Um, he is the chief visionary officer for the Commonwealth Center of Fathers and Families in the state of Kentucky. For nearly three decades, David has been a father and a family advocate, a community organizer, a minister, and an influential leader. He has successfully guided and grown a local direct service program for 11 years. And over time, he has coordinated multiple events, activities, and programs aimed at the acknowledgement, enhancement, appreciation, and promotion of the institution of fatherhood and raising awareness of the challenges related to father absence. This most notable um, includes 2021 established Commonwealth Center for Fathers and Families, which I just told you about, and he's poised to enhance positive fatherhood engagement and programming across Kentucky and beyond. He is the founder of said organization, and he leads statewide effort beyond, and he has been recognized for his contributions to the field of most of what we have dealt with here in this field of responsible fatherhood, and I am honored to call this brother my brother and friend. How you doing, David? Man, I'm better now. How you doing, brother? <laughs> I'm doing good, man. Doing this, do, doing this thing we call life. Yes, sir. Life, life, life. Yeah, be we, lifing. Yeah, we be lifing. That's what I be doing. <laughs> That's a good answer. When somebody says, "How you doing?" I'm just gonna say, "I just be lifing." Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so, listen. We start off this program each week with a question that I don't um, give people before. The, they uh, come on because I want them to be organic in this conversation. And you could tell it from two vantage points or one vantage point, And that is from the vantage point of your experience being a father or from the experience of your father. And that question is, tell us your daddy's story. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, man, let me say thank you first. And it's an honor. Uh, I appreciate you reading that prescribed <laughs> bio. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so... But I, I appreciate your work. Let me just say that off top before I even answer the question. Um, you are among uh, the stalwarts in this work, so I appreciate what you do. Uh, you, you shame us in your work ethic, brother. I, wanna, I said something silly to myself. I said, one of these days, I'm going to outwork Kenneth Braswell. <laughs> and and it, it's kind of like the Lord winked at me and said, it, you, it's going to take more than a day to outwork Kenneth Braswell, so <laughs> take a while. So kudos to you, my brother. Um, my my daddy's story is very interesting. That 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 could be uh, a Netflix series for real. My <laughs> personal daddy story, but my father, who's since been collected about a decade ago by now, great man. Uh, that's that's my father, um, and and did the best he could. You know what I'm saying? GED. 
fella, but um, no greater lover uh, and no greater father uh, uh, that, that I could have had. Uh, personally, as a father, uh, daddy of three um, children and uh, G daddy to two. And mm. so my oldest son has gave me, given me a couple of grandbabies and then uh, my wife, uh, who is part of my fatherhood, right? We know motherhood and wifehood is part of fatherhood and, and, and husband, right? And so uh, as it exists now, I have a couple 25-year-olds and a 20-year-old. Uh, and life be life, right? And so that's a, that, now with them even. So my fatherhood has is, is been a, a joyful struggle, right? A joyful struggle. Uh, but I, I, I count myself blessed to be in this role called father, the most important title that any of us men will ever have. Mm. What, um, you know, because there's always a story um, and a pathway and journey into this work that we do, because often people will say, well, how did you become, how did you get in this? Like, what did you take in college? They ask, like, they're trying to figure out that academic journey and the, and the journey to which we get into this work doesn't always follow that course. It follows another course. What inspired you to get into this work? What's your why? Yeah, because uh, it's, it, it's my why because it's the answer to so many of the questions that we have in human services. And I won't, I'll stop short, short just short of saying it's the answer to all the questions. Uh, but I've come to find and, and, and research is come to find that fatherhood uh, is applicable to most uh, the, the cure of most pathogens that anybody seeking to improve this human condition uh, is trying to address. Fatherhood can be found in it. You know this. And so my journey to it and my why, why did I get into it? Uh, it, it likely got into me before I got into it. And, mm. and you know, and, and retrospectively, everything I was embarking upon or everywhere I would find myself was leading to this juncture, to this, to this body of work, you know, started off at a job course center, young people, you would know that system. Great program when working right. I think at its original intent, I was at the largest one in the nation, Earl C. Clemens Job Corps, young folks from Virgin Islands, New York, uh, in the middle of a cornfield in Kentucky, no less, you know, mm -hmm. um, but Many young men, young women, I, I, I soon realized a trend coming out of father absent homes. Went on to work in communities, community or no, went on to work at an unwed teen mother's home, right? Mm -hmm. With young unwed mothers. Well, the fathers mm -hmm. of those children were not being engaged in the late 80s, early 90s. Uh, the fathers of those mothers of babies and their fathers were a story in the young lady's life, right? Went on to community. Uh, became certified community organizer. The communities and neighborhoods seeking to impact. There was a dearth or a, uh, there, there was an issue with engaging the men or the fathers in neighborhoods. Went on to work with systems. Mm -hmm. Same thing. You just start seeing that. You're like, this is, this is an issue, if not the issue. Mm -hmm. And uh, just settled in. And, and, and started to focus because you, you you know you got to find something and try to do that thing. Well, this mm -hmm. is that thing, and it just happens to be a that thing that is a exponentially impacting thing. Mm -hmm. You know, I called that, um, it took me a minute to realize what that was you are describing, and I have since described that as passion shifting. Mm -hmm. And so passion shifting is when you are trucking along in some area of life or field of expertise, and then God shifts you. And you think it's shifting you from vocation, and it's not shifting you from vocation, it's shifting you within your passion. Because that season of your life was about giving you a talent that's gonna serve you well when you get deeper into your passion. Mm -hmm. And so I remember when um, I left broadcasting, you know, cause my academic background is computers and accounting. And then I did community work and then I did speaking. And then I was a 15, for 15 years was a radio broadcaster. I was a DJ in high school. I went to the military and had anything to do with anything that I do today. Mm -hmm. But when I shifted and started doing Fathers Incorporated, I was doing some other work. And when God said, um, speak to the hearts of men. I didn't understand that because the 
thing that I was doing then didn't make sense to me. Now that I'm in this work and I see this movement, when you talk about um, my work ethic and moving, what has allowed me to do that is all the things that prepared me to be able to work within this mission. And so as I'm listening to you tell me all of those things, I'm like, okay, that ain't got nothing to do with fatherhood. That ain't got nothing to do with fatherhood. That ain't. And it doesn't have to have anything directly to do with fatherhood. But if you are called to do this work, it has something to do with the vessel that God is using to do this work. So I always call it passion shifting. And, and, I, and I love when that happens. What has... Um, what experiences have you gone through in your life that you lean on the most now in working with fathers? Um, from a very vocational, secular level, even um, actually uh, staying in this theme of the, of the passion shifting, as you have done different things and I have done different things and landed in this passion that I, and I appreciate you saying where God has really placed you or called you very much believe that the, the, the various stations, vocational stations call them that I have been, um, actually validate and are a foundation of, of how the methodology within the passion. And that's that cross sector piece. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think one of the things that has influenced me is being in different arenas uh, that require me to be in different spaces, different places along the continuum of leadership, from being in neighborhoods, doing neighborhood walks or doing the community organization things of bringing people together and convening and building collaboration, but also being on task forces that are looking at policies and procedures at city and state levels and even national levels. Um, those experiences are coming to bear mm -hmm. even now because what we know, and you know this, you promote it and build platforms. This is cross-sector work, right? Mm -hmm. So be since I've done some stuff with equity and education and I've done some stuff with community building and I've done some stuff with local government and I've done some things with the healthcare system, all of those things are relevant experiences and you don't, you don't, I didn't know them going through them, but they are in fact experiences that brought me here. And then obviously uh, what really guides me um, and, and, and it's my, you know, my spiritual experiences, right? And understanding that this, what would be secular fatherhood plight and work is really emulating a spiritual relationship that we all yearn for. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm so, glad you went there because that was going to be my transition into the fact that you're an ordained minister. And I am all, there are several um, people in our circle that are ministers in their own right, you know, whether it is within a structural church or, or, or not, they're still ministers of the word. And I've never asked any of them this question, and I'm glad I'm here with you because I want to kind of know uh, how do you move back and forth and what do you take from your ministerial experience into the fatherhood experience? And what do you take from your fatherhood experience into your ministerial experience? Yeah. Inextricably tied. Uh, the answer to all of that might be, you know, love, caring, compassion for the humankind. Hmm. Ministers are supposed to have that. I don't know if we know that or not. <laughs> 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 that, that's what the prototype had. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was love, caring, compassion, and light, right? So that is what I take back and forth, but perhaps with a little more specific. I, I should say that I, I am a minister. I, I tell folks I have a dusty halo uh, ministry, and I'm a I'm the cussing prophet with a dusty halo ministry. <laughs> <laughs> that describes it all. That says it right there in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah. yeah, because, well, you have to, in many ways, and this is, in, in, in my tradition, a, a, a sacred writing. You become all things to all people in order that you might win a few, right? And so you have to be able to slide you won't see me using hierarchical language. I really don't like that unless I am talking spiritually. But here on, on this plane, it's really just a continuum that is horizontal. Mm -hmm. uh, you start getting vertical and you start putting other people above other people. 
Mm-hmm. I, I like to stay bar, uh, horizontal and be on a continuum, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but you, when when you are doing that, you need to be able to slide up and down that continuum. And everybody is not at the same stage of development in their in their familially or socially or educationally or spiritually. Mm-hmm. But all deserve this this work that is in us that is fatherhood, right? And so what I what I feel like I bring from both of those uh, elements of me, the fatherhood and, and 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 the spiritual, is the ability to move up and down that continuum. And it, but 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 actually, it's just one thing, but Braswell, as far as I'm concerned. So mm-hmm. I appreciated you saying there are several ministers, whether they be in a traditional Orthodox kind of house of faith. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I say this in front of my pastor and my mentor spiritually. I do more ministry in fatherhood than I ever do from behind the pulpit. <laughs> yeah, that's and that's most of us. That's that's I think that's where. So whether you're a minister or not, or you're just a follower, you know, as I am, you know, it's interesting because people um, often will say to me, are you a pastor? Like, and I always resist it for some odd reason. I always say, nah, what makes you think that? My wife always chuckles every time it happens. And I mean, it happens a lot. And I know because my wife has always said, like, when you carry the spirit with you, people see it. Like, they don't know how to describe it, but they can see it. I withheld my chuckle. So your wife was <laughs> right to chuckle. So I'm like, I just know what, how and what we were talking about pre pre-taping and, and, and been around you enough. It, it is a ministry. That's, that's, this is a fatherhood podcast and perhaps not a theological one, but you're a minister, brother. Ain't no mm. doubt about it. That you're a minister in your own right and a pastor of a certain congregation that is not static. Mm, well, I'm going to have to bring you back to talk about the theology piece of this work. That's a good conversation. We're going to come back and, and tackle that one. Yeah. The other aspect of who you are, which I find fascinating, because it's the other one that people oftentimes think that I am, too, is you got your bachelor's degree in both psychology and sociology. But I'm more interested in the psychology piece of it, because oftentimes with this work and what we deal with, the most are the heaviest component to me and the most challenging thing to navigate within our work is emotion, right? And emotion is steeped in the psychological uh, paradigm of work and to be able to navigate the myriad of emotions that families feel, that children feel, that in this space fathers feel, it can be a landmine or field of opportunity, but you have to understand it for me from a mental aspect as much as you do from a physical aspect. Talk to me a little bit about where you have seen your skill set and your background in psychology help you with working specifically with fathers. Yeah, thank you for that, man. Uh, you keep saying you're going somewhere different in my mind. We're staying in the same place. Yeah. You talked about theological. We talked about the family and vocational. Now you're talking about psychological. Now I can mix all those in because there is a sacred writing that says, as a man thinketh, mm-hmm. so is he, right? Mm-hmm. And so, so mm-hmm. much of the, the psyche and the emotion and the mental health uh, that we have or that is compromised has to do with who we think we are, who we are known as, and 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 what what we say defines us, and and what we know is is that obviously our procreators, our parents, are part of our definition, um, and so how someone thinks about those that brought them into this earth or into this earth has so much to do with how people think about themselves. That's why, mm-hmm. and, and I haven't listened to, I, I haven't assessed your language around it, but I have assessed it in the field in general. That's why I don't like the word fatherless. I like to, if, if at all possible, use father absence mm-hmm. or, or, you know, or, or absent fathers because none of us are fatherless. But if we ever thought that, and then sometimes in our subconscious because of, our vocabulary that we project on the people and call them a fatherless child, it may subconsciously be working in them. So what am I, half a person? 
You know what I'm saying? If mm-hmm. I'm fatherless, mm-hmm. I, I do know the birds and the bees. And so you're calling <laughs> me fatherless. So what? Mm-hmm. So I'm incomplete. Whether that registers Why? at all, it's going to manifest somewhere subtly or substantially in an individual. Mm-hmm. So that's psychology. Um, mm-hmm. Right. And so the father impacts all that. You know, we've got research on how folks self-esteem and self-image and mental health and emotional health are so tied to uh, the presence or absence of fathers. And so that, that psychology piece has been very interesting. Um, my wife gets on to me and my friends because I, I can. The only reason I like going to the mall is to, <laughs> is, is to, is to look at people. Me too. I'm a people You know what I'm saying? Yep. Mm-hmm. That's the psychologist in you, right? right That's right, the right. psychological. What are they thinking? Mm-hmm. I wonder, I can tell what store they're going out of. What I look at people's basket in the grocery store, right? I'm trying to figure <laughs> out their household. Not out of nosiness or messiness, uh-huh. but try to know of them, right? To, mm-hmm. So we can see how they could best fit into this constellation that we call life and make it better for everybody else. So I think psychology is a, is, is a, a, a huge part of it, but sociology, mm-hmm. as you know, is the, it, it's the environment somewhat. So mm-hmm. I, I, I'm still learning in all of this and, and mm-hmm. it's real interesting. I've recently, as we talked about, I've been in a, some public health space with some public health folks. I've been in some social work spaces, right? Um, and the next one I need to go is to a, a national psych, uh, a society of psychologists, right? And see mm-hmm. how they move in fatherhood. Mm-hmm. And I'm in all these places trying to inject fatherhood. You know, that battle's not over yet. Oh, They're still trying to get folks to, what about the father, right? Where's the father in this, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's why we go all these places. Right, right. So I got to get to a psychology uh, symposium or a national conference and see how they're dealing with it. Yeah, we have to pick one. We'll go together. I'll commit to you. We'll go together. When we find it, we'll go together because I've been wanting to do that as well. And I got a lot of, actually, I need to, need to start pulling them. I got a lot of psychologists, uh, psychiatrists, friends. And yeah. so I need to talk to them about where the best places to go to kind of interject our space, our work into that space, right? Because that's necessary as well. <clears throat> we need to be presenting at those conferences and talking about this aspect of this work and how they can serve and help us in that particular area. Two things. One is when you talked about fatherless, you are, you are like me in that sense. I absolutely hate that word, um, you know, for a couple of different reasons. But my the way that I, and I say it in almost all my podcasts, and I'm going to continue to say it so that it sticks with people. And my mantra is always, <clears throat> there's no such thing as a fatherless child. 100% of all biological child on the face of this, biological children on the face of this earth has a father. The question isn't if he exists, it's where he exists. That's but right. if you never ask the question, where is he, you make the assumption that he doesn't exist. The problem with that is we feed that non-existence into our children that creates that hole in their heart and makes them believe that this thing that they are yearning for doesn't exist, which means that they'll never have a chance at filling that hole. That's a psychological problem. Yep, yep. For a child. Psychological problem is a systemic and structural problem when we start using it in our service delivery systems, because what it's going to do is either consciously or subconsciously uh, induce us or, 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 or influence us to not consider that element when we're making policies, practices and procedures. Mm-hmm. Well, Premier social services system that is mm-hmm. super maternal. And you, you know how to fight the fight about fatherhood being the antithesis of motherhood. Mm-hmm. Absolutely not, right? Mm-hmm. But you, we hear that. What about moms? Well, we've got a system for moms, quite frankly. But if we use the word fatherless as providers, there's a challenge. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, cha- and, and that, that could seep into, again, either intentionally or unintentionally, how we formulate uh, approaches to even mm-hmm. uh, to, to, to assist families and children. And so, yeah, it's dangerous language for sure. Yeah. The other thing is um, to your people watching, I do the same thing. I watch things like how far are they walking apart? Are they talking? Are are they talking when they're walking? Um, Who's holding the bags? Like how are they sitting when they sit? 
Yep. Like if they're talking, I'm trying to imagine what are they talking about and what are they saying each other based on their facial expressions. I just that's my joy in going to the mall. I'm watching, you know, all of that stuff. And so you got to an epiphany as I did, which is <clears throat> at some point doing this work, your body of work had to be institutionalized and you had to create an infrastructure to allow you not only to just do this work, because it's one thing to do this work. But I think more visionary people in doing this kind of work and knowing the challenges and knowing the criticalness of this work also understand the need to scale, the need to organize, to need to institutionalize so that we can create a continuum of work that lends into a different legacy for the people that we're trying to serve. And so you created the Commonwealth Center. Uh, what went into your thoughts about the need to do that? some consternation <laughs> uh, because you ain't a psychologist, sociologist, people watcher and want to lead direct service delivery. You know what I'm saying? Mm, yeah. you, 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 and you still like it and probably got to fight against it because mm -hmm. of scale and, and, and mission, but you want that dirt still up under his fingernails. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You want to check pulse of your people, right? Mm -hmm. So that was the consternation a little bit. Not even necessarily new levels, new devils, but I'm not going to be kicking it and jugging with men <laughs> and talking real stuff and co coexisting and, uh, you know, with them because we're going through the same thing. So that was one thing that came with it. But yes, understanding uh, that I had been blessed. Um, with the charisms to be able to move across that continuum. Um, and if I be the one that is blessed with that, uh, I've got to go to a space, perhaps even uncomfortable to me, and, 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 and do just that, be that representative. And also knowing that there are self-induced issues that you're kind of talking about when the dirt under the fingernails. So people don't that, that haven't been with us in the, with the fathers don't know that we get at it, you know? They think we're just stroking men and we are loving one another. We are caring for one another, mm -hmm. but we're calling each other out. We're mm -hmm. naming things, right? Uh, and, and that's a beautiful space, but it, but you, you, you it, which is a great space. So you talk to the self-induced stuff in direct service delivery, but at some juncture, you got to scale to speak to the systemically induced things, right? Mm -hmm. And at some point, we have to stop talking about, I uh, call it the, 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 the beneficiary of services. Some might call it the oppressed and, and trying to change them and, and then and move to the systems that are creating environments that will often create circumstances that dictate behavior for some people or that restrict their be choices and resources. That's systemically induced stuff. Mm. Uh, and, and, and not to say that I'm anything supernatural or special, but that's a different calling um, than direct services alone. Mm. And, and, and so that's, that's what kind of um, took ca called me that direction. But it, it came with some consternation and discomfort and stretching. Mm -hmm. yeah. Continues to, quite frankly. <clears throat> yeah, and it's, you know, and the other thing is resourcing it, right? Which is that thing, you know, I often struggle between, to your point, you know, being the guy that's sitting there, you know, after an event, talking to somebody for two hours and knowing that I got to catch that um, foundation person that I spotted earlier and see that person getting closer to the door. But I got this brother who's telling me a story about his issue and I'm torn between whether or not I cut him short and say, listen, we got to pick this up. I got to catch this person going out the door because that person going out the door is the one that's going to help me to continue to help you. But I can't tell you all that right now. I got to go. Do you get in those moments with people? Oh man. If, if your, if your life had a soundtrack, that's when uh, you start hearing Wu-Tang. <laughs> Cash rule everything around me. Cream, get the money. <laughs> dollar, get, dollar bill, y'all. <laughs> but not for you, for the yeah. work, right? Yeah. And for, for the work, I need, and that's where you find your solace, because you are genuinely engaged with that gentleman, that family, that mother, mm -hmm. but you 
there is a resource that I need to speak to and seek to capture so that I'm positioned to be able to speak to all the issues you're sitting here in my face talking about. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So there's a tension there, but you will find rest in your soul if you know going and speaking to that funder or that, that, that legislature or that caucus, you know, you can't be at the graduation for, you know, gentle warriors because you have to be at a fatherhood caucus meeting in Washington so that they know that gentle warriors is going on back at home mm-hmm. and they funnel resources that direction. So there can be a gentle warriors in, in New Orleans next time or, mm-hmm. or in San Francisco. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, man, you, you find yourself doing that. Yeah. You know, um, you know, one of the things, you, as you describe keeping that dirt um, under your fingers is an indication to you that your nails still need to be clean. Mm-hmm. And it's and so when we you use that terminology, my mind is like every day you wake up or every time you see me, it's not the same dirt. I work at cleaning them all the time. They just keep getting dirty and I keep having to respond to the dirt under my nails. So what that always lends me to kind of think about and that analogy lends me to kind of think about is that in this field of work, we have a lot of unfinished business and we have possibly more emerging business to deal with. And the growth of the field is not matching the emerging stuff because we're still dealing with the unfinished stuff. Some of the unfinished stuff is things like child support, custody and parenting time. To me, that's going to be a continuing issue, but it is still old stuff that we haven't reconciled yet. But emerging stuff is things like now taking consciousness of the mental health of men, self-care of men, things like uh, maternal and paternal care, uh, staying at home, uh, wage equities, um, disparities, health disparities, all of these things that contribute to Um, one of the things I always say, David, in some of my presentations is that when we talk about women, whenever we talk about our mothers, whenever we talk about programs for mothers, we never separate the fact that mothers are women. So when we're talking about mothers, we take into consideration that they're women. So they bring things to the table as a result of being women and being moms. But whenever we talk about dads, it seems to me that we always want to strip apart the fact that they're men. Mm-hmm. And we don't want to address the men issue. We want to address the father issue. Mm-hmm. And you can't address the father issue in many cases unless you're addressing the man issue, right? And mm-hmm. some of that man stuff ain't really got nothing to do with fatherhood because if this brother doesn't know the importance of regular checkups by his doctor, he ain't going to be around long enough to be no daddy, right? right. It's that old adage, got to put your face mask on first on the plane when oxygen drops so that you can save the person next to you. And we don't get there with that. As you're doing this work now, what are some of the most challenging spaces um, that you're finding difficulties in getting solutions for, resources for, or help for in working with fathers? Yeah, um, great question. Um, the, the things you mentioned are, are, are large issues, the, the, the child support, obviously, and some of those that going from being a uh, supportive agency to uh, from being a punitive effort to a supportive agency. Right. That's a challenge. Um, good to just see the subtle difference in the name change from Office of Child support to mm-hmm. support uh, collections to services, right? From mm-hmm. OCS uh, to OCSS. That's a, that's a, that's a good win. Uh, and I, mm-hmm. I've, I've talked, I've, I've appreciated that with those in that arena that have done it. What one of the largest challenges for me is actually related to um, what we mentioned earlier, and it's the breadth and depth of who needs to be aware of, of fatherhood and mm. um, to, to endorse it and to institutionalize and standardize it. Um, so to be more specific or to be more simple, 
folks still either don't know or don't believe that fatherhood is important. Mm -hmm. I'm still seeing that being in the field for 30 years. Again, case in point, recently presenting to groups of social workers on fatherhood, recently high level folks that have been mm -hmm. in the game of social work and are making policies at universities around social work and the pedagogies and curricula that are being delivered. Talked to a sister from a prominent uh, organization just a, a bit ago the other day who's getting her master's. And mm -hmm. I said, hey, any, any, any talk of fatherhood in this prominent university's master's program about fathers, social work to improve, decrease child maltreatment and increase family and community well-being, any talk about fathers? No. Mm -hmm. Halfway through the program. Surely family's been operationally defined. Surely the changing <laughs> constellation and composition of families, y'all talked about that. She generally mm -hmm. said fatherhood wasn't interested, was not mentioned. She was in the workshop. Public health professionals, right? Mine. Still not in my mind validated as a true public health issue and until it is. And so I call this the uh, the conundrum of the epiphany, right? We're out mm -hmm. here doing the work. We're out here seeking to raise the awareness. But part of me is like, I ain't got to get these stats still, do I? I don't mm -hmm. still have to tell folks it's related to homelessness of adults and youth. And it also is related to teen suicide and teen pregnancy and high school dropout and substance use disorder uh, and smoking and pre and perinatal health and uh, maternal morbidity. I don't have to keep talking about that, do I? Mm. Yeah, we do. It's and when you do it, you you see it. Whether you're in a, a a small auditorium with some teachers, or or you're in a large place with human service providers, or if you're in giving testimony on legislative floor, you see light bulbs popping. Ah, mm. ah, oh, ah, oh, oh, yeah, resonates. I call that the conundrum of the epiphany. I'm like, I'm glad you get it. But I'm like, you got to be kidding me. You just now getting it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Right? Yes, yes. Uh, and that's an issue. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's, it's a challenge because there's a tension between let's move ahead, but there's still a lot of just straight awareness building that needs to happen in a lot of very important venues. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. And so that I, that's one of, that's a challenge that that works with me. Yeah. In, at my stage of development. Yeah. The other thing, David, is you are in the state of Kentucky, um, yeah. the state of Kentucky, um, and at least Lexington and um, Louisville and places like that have different issues or similar issues to other urban centers around the nation. However, when you say Kentucky, people don't think about Baltimore, Detroit, New York, you know, when you talk about urban centers. What are some of the um, geographical differences in Kentucky or similarities in Kentucky when you're working with particularly low-income fathers as you've seen across the country? Yeah, I actually thought about this coming into this time and space and thinking about you're down in Atlanta I didn't do the work, but shoot, Atlanta's population probably darn near could, could be compared to Kentucky's, depending on what part that Atlanta. Y'all, y'all define mm -hmm. Atlanta differently in different ways. Oh yeah, big yeah, big time. Um, and I will say, having done decent amount of time in in some real urban cores in in the United States of America, uh, Louisville and Lexington being the largest largest in Kentucky. Uh, the, the, there are similarities among humans, period, right, mm -hmm. that, that occur. Uh, the difference in Kentucky is you're, you're but a moment away from a rural area wherever you are, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and and th 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 there, are, there are differences in my mind in how we can serve or we, we can propagate fatherhood across Kentucky. And I think Kentucky is mid-sized enough that we can make some significant impacts in some pretty in, in a 
pretty swift amount of time in a short mm-hmm. period of time mm-hmm. if we focus and concentrate now i'm talking relative to fatherhood and that and by extension so many other things are going to be addressed um but i i i think that louisville lexington uh, are different certainly than the remainder of kentucky mm-hmm. just like georgia mm-hmm. has some sp- atlanta probably the urban core is different than when you when you start getting out on the fringes in a lot of rural places. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, but what is the same everywhere? It has to do with accessibility and resources uh, of resources and attention that we pay to folks um, that are that are in whatever their condition it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, the other thing, you know, when we go into uh, when you're doing this work on a national level and go to as many places as we've been, um, you get to see a lot of poverty, you know, and everywhere that we go, poverty doesn't necessarily look like you and I, um, but the issues are the same. And so not too long ago, Patrick and I and Pat Little John and, and Jackie Proctor had the um, pleasure of going to West Virginia Oh, yeah. And speaking to CPS workers in West Virginia about their struggles with um, home visiting and and trying to figure out where fathers are in the space of child welfare. Um, But also hearing story after story after story after story about the um, issues of substance abuse um, and opioids and what that is doing to poor more specifically white communities across this country. Because you're so close, because that element is so close to the fringes of of, um, Lexington and Louisville, has any of that infiltrated your work? Oh, absolutely. So particularly when we went statewide, I had to be very intentional about staff composition, strategy, uh, and and approach, because uh, if you were in West Virginia, you were in East Kentucky, basically. Mm-hmm. Eastern Kentucky possesses the same sort of population as West Virginia in that Appalachian area, right? And so we, but we want to serve them no less than Lexington and Louisville and Northern Kentucky. So here in Kentucky, we have to be careful and conscious of that, as as am I, right? Uh, the, that's what we call the Golden Triangle, Lexington, Louisville, Northern Kentucky, where there's a concentration of resource. But out on the fringe is Western Kentucky, which is rural, but not quite like Eastern Kentucky. So, yes, you have to do an assessment of all of that. You would be on a fool's errand if you did not plan for that, even down to the composition of your staff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't I'll go anywhere. Uh, I'm from a rural area myself. I'm an African-American male from a rural area. Uh, But there are places where for me to make inroads, there needs to be diversity in my staff. Uh, Mm -hmm. Just like we want to see folks that look like us in the body of work. Anyone from a a white rural Eastern Kentucky wouldn't want to see people that look like them. I I understand that. And Mm -hmm. so we, we move in that way. We know. And so... And then Kentucky, um, Kentucky has always said, thank God for Mississippi. Used to say sometimes, thank God for Georgia as it relates to statistics, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Educationally, SUD, substance use disorder, Kentucky's top of the pile, unfortunately, nationally. Eastern Kentucky being a huge piece. Um, And so those are all things that are part of this fatherhood work. Uh, We have a commission on opioid misuse, right? And Fatherhood is looking at those resources to do some fatherhood and recovery centers because we believe that if you build these lasting relationships or revitalize relationships with children, that's some relapse prevention, right? And we want to do research around that and validate that. So Kentucky has a lot of uh, its own, a, a lot of issues, but I feel like it, just as you framed it, opportunity. It, there are issues, but there are opportunities. The vision that I have is, is well, I, I know your son got a basketball goal out there. Uh, he mm-hmm. excels at it. But when you put that goal in the ground, you had to go deep enough to support the height of the goal. Mm-hmm. If you're building a skyscraper, you got to build a deep hole. And the higher the building, 
the deeper the foundation, right? So mm-hmm. if we got a deep hole in Kentucky, I just see that as an opportunity to build a high, towering, mighty, majestic structure. And that's how I look at the challenges of, of Kentucky in, in, in many different ways. And mm-hmm. I believe fatherhood is, I don't think it's a brick in that building. I think fatherhood is the, the material <laughs> with which the building is being built. Mm-hmm. Um, there are folks that are trying, have been trying for a long time to interject the importance of responsible fatherhood work, also um, doing some deeper work in relationship building. We call it marriage and uh, relationships. Um, I have expanded my notion of relationships and the work that I believe that, that, that I believe has to happen in relationships in that, particularly for our fathers it's not only the relationship with the mothers of their children that they're struggling with, they're struggling with relationships, period. Um, The relationship between them and law enforcement, the relationship between them and their employer, them and their landlord, them and the person who lives next door, them and the previous mothers of their children, them and their family. Like relationship is an issue and that skill set, that life skill needs to be strengthened in the fathers that we're working with so that they really understand how to manage true relationship and in that i believe that the relationships with the mothers of their children will improve are you guys integrating any of your fatherhood work with relationship work yeah yeah I, and i appreciate that and and, and you know kid you you're that cat in in the field and the body of work because you're 23.5 hours a day in it you go down the street turn the corner Take another ride. Folk be like, where Kenny at? We <laughs> Kenny that went down the street, turned and jumped. <laughs> so I'm not surprised that you have this exponential concept of relationships, but you're absolutely right. Um, we, we in the body of work, uh, I will be honest with you, when I talk healthy relationships, we're at this juncture for this isn't a word, but graspability for folks to be able to ingest it. Mm-hmm. We're starting with really relationships that in, in that concentric familial structure. Mm-hmm. Uh, what you're saying is absolutely right. Uh, but one of, a lot of the things we work with is obviously relationship with mother of baby. Um, use that language particular. I, another language issue for me mm-hmm. is baby mama and baby daddy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's it's a little belittling to me. I, I've got a non-custodial son, and I ain't nobody's baby daddy. Proof positive. Mm-hmm. He, he called to borrow the truck today. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But he was helping somebody move, right? Mm-hmm. So, yes, you can borrow the truck, right? Mm-hmm. But I don't like that. But we our relationships are primarily around that. But, yes, multiple um probably synchronous relationships we talk about because, and and there's somebody right here in Kentucky that does this great work, you know, his good work, Dr. Armand Perry, University of Louisville. Mm -hmm. He talks about multiple partner fertility. So multiple children by multiple women. We're not in the cleavers world that happens. Mm -hmm. There's still hope in that. Right. So, how do you navigate those multiple relationships with layers, with additional men in the picture and stepfathers and bonus children? Um, and so perhaps we're doing it more than, 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 I, than I give credit for. We do teach about navigating the various relationships that naturally occur in families of, of men that have led the lifestyles that we generally deal with, right? Because mm-hmm. if you got three mothers of children, two of them have moved on to more, to additional relationships with a partner uh, and or an additional, maybe went into marriage and he brought children to blended families. You gotta be able to jump into that constellation. Mm-hmm. And you might be dealing at some juncture with the mother of the children of the man that's in the house with the mother of your baby. <laughs> right, right. All, and, all of that. And then there's you that. You see what right? I'm saying? But you're, you followed that. There's some people listening, it's like, 
know exactly where I landed. The, those multiple yeah, constellations, yeah, yeah. intersections of relationships, we do talk about that. Mm. The relationship is broader than just marriage or healthy uh, choices in, in, in who you choose to partner with. David, lastly, what keeps you up at night? What's that thing that keeps you up that the next day you got to get at it, you got to deal with it? I'm sure it's multiple things, but there's always for us one thing that just, you know what, I got to tackle this thing tomorrow and I got to get this thing right. What's that thing for you? Well, last night it was this podcast with Ken Braswell. <laughs> <laughs> About to get, I'm about to be on here with the goat, man. I gotta get my game. <laughs> That's what it was last night. Uh, of late, Ken, you do a great job of this. With no offense, I still know there's growth. Mm. I think of you, and you're doing a wonderful job. I've seen this evolution because I've tracked you over the years. I think of you and I immediately be like, I wonder if my man won his game. Mm, son, right? Yeah. I think of you, I'm like, man, I wonder, I wonder how sis is doing, what part of the business she's doing today. I'm thinking about your wife, because you you bring that in so well mm-hmm. and are doing that more and more. I'd be interested to know the, the trajectory of that and, and another time. Maybe that's a cigar mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so one of the things that keeps me up at night is uh, my first ministry is home. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I believe I've done right by, um, but you can always do better by. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And again, going back to the theology and spirituality that guides me, it, it speaks of one that can't lead outside if they can't lead inside. And I'm a, you know, I, I, nothing falling apart, but I see mm-hmm. where they can be better and could have been better. And to be judgment day honest, I can recall times that I didn't have my priorities straight. Now the priority over my family wasn't drugs, alcohol, fornication, bank robbery, any of that, it was my work. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the pastors whose house got away from it, his priority was a church. You know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. The, the, The head engineer or maybe the department of labor leader in Washington. Uh, it wasn't debauchery that caused him to get his priorities out of, he was trying to help the economy of the United States. Mm-hmm. But our first responsibilities are home. And so sometimes I'm like, I could have, I don't, I don't even ask the question anymore. Could I have done that better? I say, I could have done that better. Mm-hmm. And so moving ahead, how can I do it? Uh, and, and so, you know, the tension, even as your territory expands, mm-hmm. you, you the, the wiser you get, you understand the more focus you need to be on that. <laughs> right, 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 absolutely. God, my territory is expanding, but you're saying all the more to me, don't forget here. Right. So it's, it's interesting, right? Yeah. And so yeah. I, I, I wrestle with that some nights. Mm-hmm. I wrestle yeah. with that some nights. I think it's out of altruism and, and goodness, mm-hmm. uh, but it, it, it's a wrestling match. Yeah, thank you for that. I, um, I appreciate you, bro. Um, we'll have to come back and have the theological conversation because you just said something else to trigger me, and we'll talk, have to talk about because we'll be on another 30 minutes talking about that, and you just kind of reference the J-Bass prayer. And, you know, and I always say, you know, when people are asking God to expand their territory they forget that god is limitless yep that be careful what you ask for because his expansion can be bigger than what you think expansion is right and sometimes he'll expand it just because you ask not because you deserve it mm-hmm. and you'll drown in that territory if you're not prepared for that territory so you have to be real conscious about that prayer there's a lot of responsibility that comes in saying the J-Bass prayer if you don't understand expansion and God's abilities to expand. So you cheat, man. You said we weren't going to talk about it, and you got to stop recording, Mike. You jumped into it. I just, sometimes things hit you, and you just got to throw them out there because I don't think, you know, I think that 
in order to do this work, in order for anyone, David, that does social work, that work on behalf of people that in general they believe are less fortunate, and they may not be less fortunate than them. They just need. They just may be deserving of help and support. That you have to have a level of spirituality and an understanding of faith to do this work. I I, I can't. Which, by the way, is not linear and it does not exclude the language you just used, which I appreciate. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which is. I always, the question I ask people sometimes is not, so are you a spiritual person and are you a religious person is two different questions, right? But the more important question for me when I'm going there with someone is what do you believe in? Like, what do you believe in in moments that you can't believe in yourself? Are you really living a life that you're believing in yourself 1,000%? There ain't a human being on the face of this planet that I believe does that. And so you got to believe in something, even if it's a tree. Mm-hmm. And then you have to ask yourself the question, in that moment that I need something the most, can I really turn around to a tree and the tree help me with that issue? Then you need to readjust what you believe in right? and why you believe in it. And so if you're helping someone and you're helping people expand out of their situation and you know that you personally don't have the resources and ability to pull that person out of that space, then the only thing you have to rest on that's going to get that person out of that space is your faith and all that you have is enough to get them moving outside of that space. Right? Uh, all you're doing is validating your wife's earlier justifying her <laughs> chuckle that she gives <laughs> when someone says are you a pastor so I, I'm not taking the bait brother <laughs> all you got to do is climb that hill and tell the old old story now you've already said it man <laughs> listen I ain't do, I'm just gonna sing the hymns I ain't gonna try to climb I ain't gonna get out there to get on the pulpit I'll just be the dude in the in the, in the congregation sing, singing the hymns so David up. thank you so much bro I love you as my good friend and and um and um FI board member Bishop Darren Ferguson always says I love you and there's absolutely nothing you could do about it yes, um thank me thank you for including me in your work and in your life um, you know that I'm only a text and a phone call away. And for 2024, I have made the commitment that I'm going to be more intentional about keeping my relationships closer to me than I have in the past. And that includes you as well. So we are going to do this retreat train, retreat thing at some point this year when I get around to planning that amongst all the other things I'm trying to plan. So let, let me know how I might be able to contribute. I reciprocate all that you've said, man, and we need to make sure and, and, and be accountable, but understand those that are authentic in this work. Um, if you don't text me right back, I know that you're at the work at work or at KJ's gang, right? Mm-hmm. And so those that hold one another dear, as we speak of, understand. Don't make me hit you two, three times up. Right. Man. Yeah, that ain't gonna happen. That ain't gonna happen. <laughs> but no, man, you have my support in all you're doing. Uh, vocationally and and uh, blessings and prayer to you know on on your family too, brother. Thank you. And on that note, to all my all to all my I am Dad podcast listeners, you know how I like to leave you. Always be kind to others as you're kind to yourself, or you might find yourself by yourself. Always shoot high for your goals because even if you miss, you'll be amongst the stars. And as my good friend Art Mitchell used to always say to me, it's nice to be important, but you know what? It's much more important to be nice. Till next Sunday, peace out. Thank you so much for taking the time to spend with us. You've been listening to I Am Dad Podcast. We hope that you have been informed, encouraged you to think, or even inspired your heart for the love of dads. The conversation does not end here. Come back and join us next week. Same time, same place. Or you can continue the dialogue on our I Am Dad Facebook page. We also invite you to listen to past episodes, learn more about us, and keep up with special activities by visiting IamDadPodcast.com. That's IamDadPodcast.com. 
Until next time, I leave you with this reminder of manhood from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Because of this reminder, I will always understand that I am dad, period.